Good morning. It is Wednesday, January 24th, 2024. You're listening to the Red Sea Roundup. Thank you for joining us. I'm your host, Deacon Mike Beauvais. Today, as always, we have a great show for you. This morning, we're going to be speaking with Father Greg Gerhardt. Father Greg is a priest in the Diocese of Austin, and he is the vocations director for the diocese, which is a really important job, and especially this week, uh, he's probably pretty busy, so uh, I'm thrilled to be able to talk to him. Good morning, Father Greg. How are you? Deacon Mike, thank you very much. I'm great. Thanks for having me on the show. Happy to be here. Uh, it is a pleasure to have you here. Now, we've had you on the show before, but some of our listeners may not know much about you. Sure. So I thought, start out, if you would tell us a little bit about yourself, and then we'll talk a little bit about your call to the okay, priesthood. Sure, I'll leave that part out, and then we can come back <laughs> okay. to it. Sure, so I'm the vocation director of the diocese. So I go throughout the diocese promoting vocations to priesthood and religious life. I received that assignment about three and a half years ago. I was ordained to the priesthood in 2016. I grew up in Allen, Texas, uh, born 1987, class of 2009 here at Texas A&M. So when I was growing up, I loved playing sports. When I was at A&M, I was the men's captain and coach of the Ultimate Frisbee team. And right now, when I'm not promoting vocations, I'm rock climbing. It's my new obsession. Where do you go rock climbing? So indoors, I go to this gym called Crux, which is in Austin. And outdoors, there's the Green Belt. It's about 15 minutes from where I live. So, What made you decide to try rock climbing other than a suicidal tendency? <laughs> well, uh, it was just what friends were doing. Um, I'm kind of a poor sport. If I'm not immediately good at something, I think it's kind of dumb. I'd rather not do it. Mm-hmm. But uh, they kept... Uh, invited me out there. It's where my friends were. So the first time, the second time, I'm like, yeah, I'd rather not do this. But the third time, I made it up a route. I finished it. The endorphins flooded my body. And after I was done, I said, yeah, whatever I need, the shoes, the harness, the rope, the membership. Yeah, I'm going to need more of this. So I've been doing that for about two years now. How long did it take for your fingers to get used to be <laughs> holding your body weight? You know, it's funny. Uh, so my, my laptop has a fingerprint reader, and um, I can never use it because every time I rock climb, my fingerprint changes. So I can. Uh, it took some time. I can now hold myself up, but in, uh, at the beginning, just a, a route or two, I'd be done for a week. But uh, now I can pretty much a few times a week climb and enjoy it. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say there's probably not a whole lot of priests that go out rock climbing, <laughs> a sense of adventure. Too few. There's too few. Yes. Uh, I have a couple of, of priest friends that I go rock climbing with, but uh, it would be, it'd be great if there were more. Yes. Now, um, you said you were ordained in 2016. That's right. Now, did your first inkling of a call to the diaconate happen in college or... Was it already there a little bit before then? Sure. So I, I heard a call to the priesthood when I was 14 years old. I went to a Catholic camp called the Pines. Uh, Dad wanted his boys to go to a Christian camp. He got to go to Christian camps growing up, and uh, he converted to the faith when he married my mom. And so we went to a Catholic camp called the Pines. And we had been there for confirmation earlier, but we went out there for a week of summer camp, played lots of games, sang lots of songs. Uh, We also studied the Bible and we praised the Lord. And at the end of the week, my counselors encouraged me to pray in silence. Never prayed in silence before. I grew up Catholic, knew my prayers, said my prayers, but I had never prayed to the Lord from my heart in silence. It was only five minutes, but in those five minutes, the Holy Spirit came over me. 
gave me a deep peace, a great joy, and a burning desire to give him my whole life. I felt called to the priesthood, and it remained with me for all four years of high school, all four years of college, as much as I wanted it to go away. <laughs> and uh, it remained. So I was actually here in this building, uh, St. Mary's Catholic Center, speaking with my spiritual director my, my senior year, telling him, I just don't have the clarity I would like to become to go to seminary. And he said, well, it's probably time for you to start looking for a job. You're about to graduate. And as he was giving me that advice, I interrupted him and I said, but when I think about picking up my cross and following Christ, when I think about holiness, I think of the priesthood. I walked into the room terrified. I walked out fearless, (laughs) peace, joy, desire to give him my whole life. And I entered seminary after I graduated. And seven years later, I was ordained a priest. Marvelous. Now, one of the things, uh, Caleb and I were talking before we started the show about the importance of prayer and how perhaps, you know, one of the things that's missing in our church right now is a way for the laity to truly learn how to pray. Sure, yeah. And, uh, you know, listening to you, obviously it was important to your call to your vocation, the being able to just sit in silence and pray, yeah. how important do you think it would be for the laity to sometimes spend time doing that also? Gosh, absolutely. I, you know, I think that we want to follow God's will, regardless of whether that's a vocation, um, a vocational discernment to priesthood, consecrated life, or marriage, um, or whether it's something simple as uh, what school are we going to send our kids to? We want to be able to listen to God's voice and follow where he leads. Uh, But how do we listen to his voice except in silence, except in the silence of prayer? That's where um, we're going to hear him most clearly, and it's where we're going to grow most fully in that relationship with him. Uh, We think about uh, prayer somehow as kind of, I don't know, a, a mystery. I remember when I was at the Pines after after that experience working out there, I said, I really want to learn how to pray in silence. And I, I went out into the woods and I sat down and I was like, okay, here we go. And nothing happened. <laughs> it was pretty boring, right? So I, I felt really the need to be schooled as well. And it wasn't until seminary, until I had a spiritual director, you know, acts like a dad, actually. You know, a dad pushes their son or their daughter on the bike until they can get their balance and ride on their own. And that's really what my spiritual director did. But how great would it be if we had that kind of accompaniment to the laity so that they would be able to get their balance, listen to the Lord in prayer, and follow where he leads, even in the small things of life, much less the big ones. Yes, listening to you, you know, it reminds me of the importance of the silence part in prayer. Because usually, especially as lay people, the thought is, well, I have to say something. I sure. pray a rosary. I pray the Our Father. I pray, you know, grace before meals. Right. You know, I say something. Yes. And we don't really think that so much of prayer should be listening also, yeah. especially for someone that might be entertaining a thought that they might have a call to a vocation. Certainly. We certainly don't want to, you know, when the apostles asked Jesus, teach us how to pray, he didn't say, you know, here are the steps, you have this time in silence, you do this or anything like that. He said, when you pray, say, Our Father. So we don't, we don't want to uh, suggest that those said prayers in any way are, are not valuable. That's how Jesus taught us to pray. But we also see Jesus spending all night in prayer and going away to pray. And 
it's fairly doubtful that he was just repeating the Our Father over and over again, right? He was communing deeply with his Father. And, uh, and we know that just in our own relationships as well, that there are some very deep moments of intimate communion with someone else that happen in silence, perhaps even deeper than when there are words that are spoken. And so, yes, especially when it comes to God, who probably has, if we're being honest, let's, let's be honest and humble, much more interesting things to say than we do. Uh, and we're standing in much more need of receiving what he has to say than he standing in need of what we have to say. Of course, he wants to hear us, and that's a part of it. But if we were to think about it from that perspective, what kind of percentage might you give in your prayer to listening versus talking? I think we would probably all want to give a lot more to listening. Which brings me to the next uh, topic. And this past Sunday, we celebrated called by name Sunday in the diocese. That's right. And in part because of the gospel reading. Yes. Jesus calling his disciples and the reminder that in baptism, all of us are called. Absolutely. But especially someone perhaps hearing a call to religious life, hearing a call to the priesthood, yes. or even hearing a call to married life. Yes. But in order to hear that call, you have to be open to listening to God's will in your life. So when you think about call by name Sunday, what are you hoping the people in the pews, in the parishes, sure. in the diocese got out of this. Absolutely. Thank you for the question. You know, what I hope for with Called by Name Sunday is that once a year, the whole diocese focuses on yeah, listening to God's voice and following where he leads. I would hope that the people in the pews consider, if they can, if they're in the state of life in which they can, that they would consider a call to the priesthood or consecrated life. And I would hope that the people in the pews who can't consider those callings would pray for more vocations and encourage those who can to consider those vocations. If I were to say what the, uh, the major uh, goals would be that I would have for that, that those would be the three. Um, absolutely. You know, there's a, there's a couple of stories that I can, I can share um, that give me even more motivation for Called by Name Sunday. Um, and they both happened this year. These are both guys. As the vocation director, I walk with men who are interested in the priesthood. And um, these two men applied and have been accepted and are now waiting for priestly formation. And they're kind of the um, poster children example of a positive case and a negative case. So I'll start with a positive one. So last year, this young man, his name was submitted in Called by Name Sunday. He received a letter from Bishop Vasquez uh, encouraging him to be open to the priesthood. He went to Project Andrew, he started a discernment program, and he applied to seminary and was accepted. This all happened in one year. We usually don't get to plant the seed, water the seed, cultivate the growth, harvest the fruit all in one year, but it's a, it's a wonderful story, and I'm glad that it happened. Um, that's, that's one fruit that we can bear through Called by Name Sunday. The negative uh, example also happened that I'll share with you, and that is that someone grew up in the ideal circumstances, ideal. So Catholic schools, K through 12, Sunday mass every Sunday, faithful Catholic family, stayed Catholic through college and into the first years of his career. He heard one Sunday the call from God to be a priest as clear as day in a way that he could not escape and did not know what to do. He, on, he told me, honestly thought, that priests were chosen when they were four years old and whisked away to a monastery, uh, kind of like Samuel in the, in the Old Testament or something like that. So we're talking about ideal circumstances, K through 12, Catholic school, Catholic 
uh, family, faithful Catholic family, Sunday Mass every Sunday, and he didn't know how to discern a vocation. If we celebrate Called by Name Sunday, Diocesan Vocations Awareness Week, if we have that once a year, we may not be able to ensure that the first case happens all the time, but we can at least make sure that the second case uh, doesn't happen. By God's grace, we got in touch through another way. And like I mentioned, he is, has applied and was accepted and is now waiting for priestly formation. But those would be some, some stories to help us help, um, you know, just express why I'm so motivated by Called by Name Sunday. Now, how helpful do you think it is for a parish, for instance, to hear the vocation story of their pastor? Yes, I think it. One of the things that I hear uh, from parishioners is how humanizing hearing the story is. Maybe you see the priest every Sunday, and he's always he has about those ten minutes to be able to uh, speak. Uh, the rest of the time, everything is pretty scripted, right? And then maybe you shake his hand afterwards, and, and so it's hard to get to know him. Um, he he kind of seems like that person way up there. But then when he shares his story, all of a sudden he's just like one of us. And uh, that really is helpful when it comes to considering maybe I could do what he's doing. He's not some unrelatable figure up there. I was um, hearing from some friends. They were at St. Vincent de Paul in Austin, and Father Lijou uh, shared his story. And no, no one knew this. His, um, he was very sick in utero, and the doctors uh, encouraged his mom to abort him, and she didn't. And he started this homily with, from the womb, from uh, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And just chills, just goosebump chills. All right, For, No one knew that about him, but he got to share his story, and now everyone can appreciate just the sacrifice that his mother made and the fruit that she has borne by saying yes to life, and now the fruit that he is bearing by saying yes to the priesthood. So I do. I think it's pr- very important to hear the stories of priests. I've always thought that, you know, one of the things that has changed in the church is the idea of inviting your pastor over for dinner. Mm-hmm. When I was growing up, every family in the parish had the priest over for dinner at least a couple of times a year. And that's sort of fallen by the wayside. But I would think that especially families with children would greatly benefit from asking their parish priest over to the house for dinner and get to know him as a person. I think so. It is a gift. Um, The times that I've been invited over, I think it's mutually beneficial. So um, one, the the priest symbolizes and expresses a sign that points to heaven and... um, he shows an image to the family of what the goal is. We're, we're all trying to get to heaven, right? Uh, and the family shows to the priest that love needs to be concrete. If there's a temptation I can say as a priest, uh, I love everybody, and then, but actually, concretely, I love no one, right? So I love in a general way, but concretely, I don't actually love any one person. So I see a family where you can't love uh, the kids when they're sick and have a stomach bug and they've thrown up five times and you don't have any more sheets left, so you're just putting towels on the bed in order to make sure they have something clean to sleep on. There's no loving generally or everybody in that regard. It's a very concrete person, and that calls me to task to make sure that I am loving in a concrete way as well. So I do, I think it's very mutually beneficial both for the family and for the priest. Now, the other thing going on is Diocesan Vocational Awareness Week. Yes. So what does Bishop Vasquez 
have in mind when he has this. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So one of the, um, there are three major parts of Diocesan Vocation Awareness Week, and it's just pray, invite, form. Those are the three elements. So we would love for every parish to have a holy hour for vocations. When Jesus looked out on the crowd and saw that they were like sheep without a shepherd and he felt compassion in his sacred heart, he said, go and form a vocation ministry. And that's good. No, he didn't actually <laughs> say that. Uh, he said, the harvest is abundant, but the laborers are few. So ask the master of the harvest to send out laborers for his harvest. The only thing Jesus said to do was to pray. And so if prayer is not at the heart of our vocational promotional effort, uh, then we're just not following the master. So we would love for every parish to pray. Um, and you can actually go to our Austin Vocations website and pledge to pray. And you'll get updates if you would like about how our seminarians are doing and other ways that you might be able to promote vocations. But it's also just a way for you to make a commitment to say, I'm going to pray for vocations every day or every week, whatever it may be. But every parish, we would love to have a holy hour for vocations during Diocesan Vocations Awareness Week. Invite is called by name Sunday, and that's where the priest shares his vocation story, and he also encourages the parishioners in the pew to think about the people they know in their life, their friends, family, neighbors, co-parishioners, who has the qualities that they would like to see in their priest or their religious sister. This is an event for both men and women, and to give their name. Again, you can just go to austinvocations.com right now and submit a name. And everyone whose name is submitted will receive a letter from Bishop Vasquez encouraging them to consider either the priesthood or the consecrated life. And as I go around and I talk to people about this initiative, I just want to emphasize maybe one or two things. One is that uh, we're not looking for someone who is already thinking about the priesthood or consecrated life. Uh, someone said, well, I'm not sure if he's already wanting to be a priest. No, no, that's not what this event is about. This event is about helping people to start considering it for the first time. Uh, and then the second thing would just be, it's okay if you submitted their name last year. Uh, stats show that it takes about six invitations before someone will actually make a move and consider this vocation. So that's called by name Sunday, which is the invite part. And then finally, form. We would like every parish in the religious education classes, in Catholic schools, and in youth ministries to teach Vianney vocation lessons. So the Diocese of Austin Vocations Office has subscribed to this wonderful curriculum, K-12, through for every single class of religious education to learn at least once a year what it is to discern God's will for their life and to know about the vocations of priesthood, consecrated life, and marriage. So that's Diocesan Vocations Awareness Week in a nutshell. Um, actually, uh, I have not heard of the Biani, um, vocation program, and, um, uh, I'm going to have to make sure that our religious education program starts incorporating some oh, wonderful. of this. Yeah. Um, one other thing, uh, related to vocational awareness week, the idea that, uh, and I love the fact that you're rock climbing now because, Sometimes the thought is that the priesthood is a default for people that have no other option. <laughs> yes, yes. And it is nice to know that even if you have a star football player, yeah. ask him to consider vocation. Yeah, right. And the idea that, you know, it isn't that you're giving, and I love your, TV, uh, your advertisement on radio, that it isn't giving something up. It's a blessing that you receive. Absolutely. And so, you know, 
not thinking that, you know, well, they have, you know, this wonderful life ahead of them. No, invite them because it's a more wonderful right. life. You know, I, I think that it's, it is pretty common, unfortunately, to think that those that are called to the priesthood or consecrated life are just having to take one for the team. <laughs> and nothing could be further from the truth. It's not missing out. It's gaining. It's not drawing the short end of the stick. It's drawing the winning lottery ticket. It's a gift to be able to receive, uh, not a burden to be imposed. It's uh, By God's grace, I can say without uh, twisting my arm or anything like that, if I were born a thousand times, I would choose to be a priest a thousand times. Uh, there were other options. Um, and I didn't choose the priesthood in that regard. There's this wonderful passage that's meant so much to me from John 15. It was not you who chose me, but I who chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will remain. I wouldn't have chose this on my own, but I'm so glad that God did. And when it comes to inviting someone, yes, God is the one who calls, but he often uses our voice of encouragement in order to do it. So we can become an instrument in God's hands that could bear fruit for generations to come whenever we pray for vocations and whenever we invite someone to consider a vocation. Wonderful. Now, uh, we're going to change tacts a little bit, and I'd like to talk about Discernment 180. Okay, yes. Uh, Where did this idea come from? It's a great idea. So Discernment 180 is a book that I wrote Um, I was just, I wasn't planning on writing a book. I was planning on just writing a little guide that would help people in my work as the vocation director. But when I was done, um, I I recognized immediately because I I work with other vocation directors from other dioceses and I knew that this would be something too good not to share. So I went actually with Vianney Vocations. They're a a publisher that does a very niche um, topic of of vocations uh, literature and, uh, and we went forward with this and, and, and we got it published. It's been about uh, since August since it's, been, uh, since it's been published, but it's a six-month guide to discern the priesthood. And there's a women's version coming out very soon. It's, it's not yet published, but it will be published very soon. And that would be a six-month guide for discerning consecrated life. So the reason or the, the way I got the idea, there is this book. It's actually Discerning Religious Life by uh, Mother Claire Mathias. And she encourages her readers, to give six months of an intentional discernment period. So six months, when we think about how long should it likely take to know whether you're going to marry someone, we we probably wouldn't think it would take less than six months. And we would also expect that that kind of um, discernment process is is pretty all-encompassing. I mean, this is taking up a lot of your time, energy, thoughts, emotions, money, resources, right? Uh, so we shouldn't think that discerning a call to the priest or to the consecrated life would be, you know, something less than that. So discernment 180, it has a rule of life that you follow, a rule of life that includes prayer, sacrament, study, service, and virtue. And for your prayer, there are daily guided meditations for 180 days And then there are four specific discernment actions. So you go on a retreat, you visit a seminary or a community, you have a spiritual director, and you do a dating fast. So for these six months, right, um, you would be giving God a very consecrated and intentional period of discernment to consider how might you be calling me to follow you? Are you calling me to follow you as a priest or as a consecrated sister? That's what Discernment 180 is about. Now, I noticed in your description, it says that it's similar to Exodus 90. 
Do you have to take cold showers? <laughs> no, you don't have to. So it is it is similar to Exodus 90, but uh, Exodus 90 or Fiat 90 for, for the women, um, these are very, um, you might say, strict uh, rules of life. So Exodus 90 is Exodus 90, and there's no um, graduated version or, I don't know, beginner's version of it. Actually, I think part of the whole genius of Exodus 90 is that you're not going to do it. <laughs> you're going to fail. And then you have to wrestle with, well, what does it mean that I failed? And uh, So that's not, Discernment 180 is a lot more flexible. So the image that I give in the day zero as you're preparing for it is an athlete. Right? So an athlete, if he can bench press 300 pounds and he puts 500 pounds on uh, <laughs> the bar, he's going to get injured. But if he puts just 100 pounds on the bar, he'll never get stronger. So you want to do something that will challenge and stretch you, but not something that will injure you. So in regard to prayer, sacrament, study, service, and virtue, there are suggestions, right? So the suggestion of doing a holy hour every day, going to Mass at least one other time a week besides Sunday, confession monthly, studying and uh, serving and uh, growing in virtue. There are suggestions for all of these things, but then it comes uh, for the person to know himself or to know herself, see what is actually going to be an appropriate amount for me, what will stretch and challenge me, but will not injure me. So you could do cold showers if you wanted to, but it's not prescribed. <laughs> um, you mentioned uh, in the uh, description of the program that uh, the intent is for there to be three graces yes. that come out of this discernment week. One of them is a growth in holiness. Yes. Yes. Uh, holiness is the goal and the means. Um, uh, we, we are seeking holiness, and that's the call that everyone has, that you don't have to discern that. You can take it to the bank right now. God wants you to be holy. He wants you to have his life and have it to the full. Priesthood, consecrated life, marriage, these are ways of being holy. Uh, but the goal is holiness. The goal isn't the priesthood as an end. The goal is holiness. And so the only way that we'll know if he's calling us to the priesthood or the consecrated life, these ways of living in holiness is by simply growing in holiness as we are. And so that rule of life uh, should, by God's grace, help you to grow in holiness. So yes, that is the first goal. And one of the other graces you describe as freedom from discernment paralysis. Yes, yes, there is uh, such a thing called the order of perpetual discerners. Uh, those that can't move to marriage because they're thinking about the priesthood and can't move to the priesthood because they're thinking about marriage. Um, so uh, you, you're stuck and you can't move. Uh, there's a, um, a priest who he wrote the book To Save a Thousand Souls, Father Brett Brannon, and he says, God can't move a parked car. So move. You have to move a little bit. So this is a step that someone can take. And um, when you take this step of discernment 180, one or two graces are likely to happen. Um, if someone, and I've walked with men who have done discernment 180 and have felt peace and joy and freedom about moving to marriage. And I've walked with men who have done discernment 180 who have felt peace and joy and freedom about moving to seminary. But the goal is simply to follow wherever God is leading. And if you can move through these 180 days, respect the priesthood, look up to it, admire it, but recognize that you don't want it, well then what a great gift and grace and blessing to be able to move forward with integrity towards marriage 
uh, and it gets you out of that discernment paralysis. Or, of course, it could be that God does confirm that his will for you is to be a priest, and then you move forward with confidence towards seminary. I would think one of the reasons to have that dating fast in there is to provide some clarity as to what your call truly is, because yes. it's very easy if you continue dating while discerning a call to the priesthood that you end up in that little paralysis. paralysis. Yes, it's and it's so when we we were talking about the importance of silence in order to hear God's voice, and uh, of course there's an um, an audible silence. But then you might say there is an interior silence as well. And that's what the dating fast uh, helps us to, to have. I, I, I like to think of, you know, the soul as um, a still pond. And um, the stiller it is, you might say the more silent it is, the more clearly you can see to the bottom. Uh, but if it is uh, agitated and there's waves and there's ripples, uh, well, it's going to be a little bit more difficult to see to the bottom. So um, the surface level of that pond is, is more likely to be agitated by this call to marriage. So the catechism says that the call to marriage is written on the heart of man and woman. It is a natural call that everyone experiences. If you feel a tug towards it, it's a beautiful thing. It means that you are alive and human. It doesn't yet mean that you're not called to the priesthood or consecrated life. So how do I know? How do I know if I am called to the priesthood or the consecrated life? Well, I want to still that soul of mine and look deeper within because deep within if god has planted the call to the priesthood or the consecrated life it's going to be able to be seen if our soul is still so that's part of the reason why it's six months and not three months like exodus 90 because you know i i, I walk with young men young women and I, again it's 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 written on our hearts this desire uh, to be married and so the shock of not being open to a romantic relationship. It's kind of like a huge rock being thrown into the, the pond of our souls, and there's a lot of ripples, and it's going to take some time for the, the, uh, the soul to calm down. And I could give that probably a month or so. If you only had two more months left, well, in that third month, it's likely that you'd be looking around to see what your next move is going to be and who's the cute girl or the, uh, the guy that you'd like to date afterwards. So you'd really only have a month to consider it. But if you're in it for six months, you get over the initial shock, you still have a lot of time to be able to look deeply within and see if, in fact, God has planted a desire for the priesthood or consecrated life in my soul and to be able to hear it and follow it. And I would uh, think also that usually young people, male or female, as they grow older, there's always this image in their mind of who it is they're going to marry. Yes. Mm -hmm. And that presupposes that you're going to get married. And so I would think that 180-day hiatus would be necessary to at least free up that notion that there doesn't have to be Yes. That person that you've imagined yeah. that you're going to marry. It's true. I, we we put and and I don't. In, in no way do I mean to um, uh, downplay the beauty and the goodness of marriage. That that would um, that would be. Uh, the church has said this very clearly that uh, both of these vocations are paths to holiness. Uh, in no way uh, does it serve to speak about the goodness of priesthood by saying that marriage is somehow bad. In no way, absolutely not. Jesus does say in Matthew 19 that whoever can accept it should accept it. 
And so uh, in following the master, in following our Lord, who says, whoever can accept this, let him accept it, uh, giving him this time to see if in fact he has given us the grace of celibacy uh, is a way of honoring what he has told us in scripture. And if he does give you that grace, well, then he's not, as we have already mentioned, imposed a burden upon you. He's given you a foretaste of heaven already on earth. As he says in the scriptures, in heaven, no one will be married or given in marriage. We will be united perfectly with God Almighty. And Jesus wants to give some of his friends that gift already now on earth. Uh, But how do you know if he has given you that gift? Well, you do have to kind of put aside a little bit that dream or that image that you've always had of who you might marry and see if, in fact, he wants you to give your whole self to him in an undivided way, as St. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 7. Now, the third grace that you talk about is the grace of peace in continuing that discernment. Yes. And how do you see that playing out for someone who's gone through 180 days of this and has decided either I have a vocation to the priesthood Mm -hmm. or I have a vocation to marriage? Right. The hope here is that they're now firm in which of the two God has chosen yes. for them. And that is the hope, and that's certainly the grace that we pray for. Um, we, we don't get to shoehorn God um, to act on our timing or to give us the grace exactly when and how we want. He, he knows what he is about. Uh, and so the posture to have in Discernment 180 is one of humble anticipation. Um, God may, in fact, want to give someone doing discernment 180, the grace of knowing their vocation. Um, But he may want to give them a different grace, and it may not be time for them to know, uh, in fact, uh, their vocation. But we do know that peace is a fruit of the Holy Spirit, and growing in holiness, in communion with God, should bear the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Uh, And so, as I mentioned, I've walked with men who have done discernment 180, and have uh, gone to seminary. I've walked with men who have done it and have gone towards marriage. Uh, I've also walked with men who weren't able to go in either of those directions. And yet, those 180 days were not a waste of time. Because when, we come, when it comes to giving God time to grow in communion with Him, of course, there's no way that you waste any time. Anything that we give to Him, He tells us, again, Matthew 19, anyone who has given up, mother or father, brother or sister, children or lands, for my sake and the sake of the gospel, will receive a hundred times more now in this present life and in the world to come eternal life. So he's never outdone in generosity. Whenever we give him something as generous as discernment 180 or six months of our life, uh, there won't be a waste of time. Growing in communion with him is the means and the goal uh, of our lives here on earth that we might be with him forever. So that peace Yes, it's fruit of the Holy Spirit. It may come, and this is the grace that we pray for. It may come in the form of knowing your vocation, or it simply may come in the form of having grown in deeper communion with Him. I would imagine uh, this is similar to when I went into formation to the diaconate, and you enter it with the thought is, well, I have to do this and this and this and this to become a deacon. Yes. And I would have been greatly disappointed in the first three years, if all of a sudden, no, we don't think you have a call to the diaconate. By the fifth year, 
I was perfectly okay either way. Wow. Yes. God had put me there because that's where he wanted me. Yes. And where it was heading made no difference anymore. And I think this is, you know, in part on a smaller version, this, that peace with I am where God wants me for now, Mm -hmm. where I'm going to be, I don't know. Yeah, Deacon Mike, that's a beautiful um, arrival, a point at which you which you came uh, to um, a, a point of detachment. I think um, to be able to arrive at a point where we can say to the Lord, I don't care uh, where you are, I just want to be where you are. Whether that's to the priesthood, to the religious life, to marriage, I don't care where you are, I just want to be where you are. Um, if we arrive at that point, well, gosh, he can lead us anywhere. And, um, and that is the goal of, of growing in holiness. And it, um, that's what fas- uh, Discernment 180 tries to facilitate. And it's a beautiful grace that clearly your diaconate formation helped you to receive. Uh, yes, I don't care where you are, Lord. I just want to be where you are. Now, how long have, has the program been out there? So it existed as a Google document. Um, for it's, it's existed as a Google document for two years. The uh, printed version um, came out in August, uh, and you can actually do the program for free online at discernment180.com. You get a text message a day for 180 days. Um, and as I mentioned, the women's version is uh, going through the final editing process as we speak and should be coming out very soon. Um, you'd be able to find that as well at discernment180.com. Uh, already now, you can find the Google document for women at austinvocations.com. Now, what kind of feedback have you gotten, both by people that have used the program and from other priests? Great question. So the feedback I've gotten from people who have used the program has been positive. There's been some constructive feedback, and and I tried to incorporate that into the final version before it was published. But but typically, um, I, I get really, really great feedback. And, and to be honest... Um, aside, so so we have six chapters in Discernment 180. The first chapter is simply um, the first part of the introduction to the devout life by St. Francis de Sales. His feast day is today, the 24th. Um, the next part is learning to pray with scripture. The third part is reading the lives of the saints, St. Saint Ignatius, St. Augustine, St. Therese. Then we have church documents on priesthood, church documents on celibacy, and then more scripture with the discernment exercise of, should I apply to seminary? Now, I would give discernment 180 to everyone um, up until the parts where you get specifically to priesthood, consecrated life, uh, celibacy, and should I apply to seminary? Those 90 days would be a way that we were talking about at the beginning, Deacon Mike, about learning how to pray in silence. Uh, so, because the goal, primary goal, is holiness and vocational discernment through holiness, it's applicable to anyone, especially for the first three months. Maybe you make a few changes here and there about how you serve or what you read or things like that. But um, the feedback that I've gotten for that reason has been: I didn't know how important it was to have a rule of life to follow. I didn't know how wonderful it would be to have this regular discipline of prayer in the mornings. So I've gotten great feedback. And it's helped people to have the structure that's um, actually the person that I was speaking about at the beginning when I gave him discernment 180 said, this is what I have been looking for, a guide to follow to help me understand if in fact God's calling me to the priesthood. So I've gotten great feedback um, from other priests. 
so it's, it's typically something that vocation directors have. And uh, there are now a lot of vocation directors who are using it, using it in their dioceses. Um, but what they see is um, someone to walk them step by step, day by day. I used to uh, say to a young man or a young woman who would ask, how do I know if I'm being called to the priesthood? What can I do to discern my vocation? And I would say, listen, there's not really a shortcut. You have to give God some time. So take six months, have a rule of life, do these things. And everyone was very excited about it. And then I would check in a month later and no one had done it, not a single person. And I really thought, gosh, I need something that will walk them literally by the hand day by day through discernment 180. And now since I've had that, uh, what I have experienced is when I come back a month later and talking to these people, they'll say, Father, I'm on day 25. Father, I'm on day 75. Someone has been able to walk with them day by day, step by step, and guide them so that this time of vocational discernment is consistent, disciplined, and fruitful. So um, the Diocese of Dallas, my friend over there, um, he gives this to everyone as they're starting their vocational discernment. It's, um, it's a really wonderful tool. It doesn't matter that I'm the one who wrote it. I didn't come up with the idea. It came from discerning religious life. I just made it into a day-by-day program. Well, Father Greg, thank you very much for being on the show. We're down to the last 45 seconds. And uh, the thing I think that I would like everybody to get out of this is that Discernment 180 can be used by anybody, even if you're not discerning for the priesthood, just to get you a guideline for your faith life. Absolutely. That rule of life, that way of praying in silence. Of course, I do want people to use it to discern vocations, but I also agree. You're right. Anyone could use it. Yes. Thank you, Father Greg. I want to tell everybody we're going to be back on the other side with part two of the Red Sea Roundup. Don't go away. We will be back in a few seconds. (laughs) 